We're going to be going to Amos chapter 5 here. And we're going to talk about when the lights go out. That's the title of the sermon, when the lights go out. In my last lesson, we went through several scriptures in the Old Testament showing that the nation of Israel was depicted in the Old Testament as the sun, the moon, and the stars. And just as the sun, the moon, and the stars govern or have dominion over the day and the night, the Israelites, when they're righteous and they're ruling well, they're symbolized as these heavenly bodies ruling brightly in the world all through the Scriptures. We went through several of them in the last lesson. And when we see that all through the Bible, the sun, the moon, and the stars are depictions of the rule and the authority and the government of the nation of Israel, what language do you think might then be used for rebellious apostate Israel? In other words, how might Yahweh describe the fall and the destruction of a rebellious nation of Israel? Well, is it possible that whereas they are bright when ruling, they may be said to be dark when brought low? In other words, when they're rebellious, the lights go out. So we'll start in Amos chapter 5, verse 1. Listen to this message that I'm singing for you, a lament, house of Israel. A lament is a, is a wailing, a mourning song. Verse 2, she has fallen. Virgin Israel will never rise again. She lies abandoned on her land with no one to raise her up. For the sovereign Yahweh says, the city that marches out a thousand strong will have only a hundred left. And the one that marches out a hundred strong we'll have only ten left in the house of Israel. Now let's stop there just for a second. Right here in the first three verses of Amos chapter 5, we see judgment language being spoken against a rebellious house of Israel. This word is spoken against her. She's fallen and she's forsaken. Verse 3 says that a city that was once 1,000 people shall now be brought down to 100 people. That's Amos 5, 1 through 3. Okay, let's keep reading, beginning at verse 4 again. For Yahweh says to the house of Israel, Seek me and live. Do not seek Bethel or go to Gilgal or journey to Beersheba. For Gilgal will certainly go into exile and Bethel will come to nothing. Seek Yahweh and live or he will spread like fire throughout the house of Joseph. It will consume everything with no one at Bethel to extinguish it. Notice the judgment language is continuing here. Verse 7. Those who turn justice into wormwood throw righteousness to the ground. The one who made the Pleiades and Orion, who turns darkness into dawn and darkens day into night, who summons the waters of the sea and pours them out over the face of the earth, Yahweh is his name. He brings destruction on the strong, and it falls on the stronghold. They hate the one who convicts the guilty at the city gate and despise the one who speaks with integrity. Therefore, because you trample on the poor and exact a grain tax from him, you will never live in the houses of cut stone you have built. You will never drink the wine from the lush vineyards you have planted. For I know your crimes are many and your sins innumerable. They oppress the righteous, take a bribe, and deprive the poor of justice at the gates. Therefore, the wise person will keep silent at such a time, for the days are evil. Seek good and not evil, so that you may live. And Yahweh, the mighty one of hosts, will be with you, as you have claimed. 
Hate evil and love good. Establish justice in the gate. Perhaps Yahweh, the Mighty One of Hosts, will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Therefore Yahweh, the Mighty One of Hosts, the Sovereign, says, There will be wailing in all the public squares. They will cry out in anguish in all the streets. The farmer will be called on to mourn, and the professional mourners to wail. There will be wailing in all the vineyards, for I will pass among you. Yahweh has spoken. Woe to you who long for the day of Yahweh. What will the day of Yahweh be for you? It will be darkness and not light. Let me stop here for a moment. I want to point out here that there are many times in Scripture that we read of the day of Yahweh. And it is always a judgment day. It's always a judgment day. But it's not just a one-time thing. I think a lot of people have in their mind that the day of Yahweh is only a future day. But in the Old Testament, there are many days called the day of Yahweh. And they're always a day of judgment. And most of the time, they're a day of judgment on rebellious nation of Israel. I'm going to show you this, that there's many days of Yahweh here in the Old Testament. Now, at the end of verse 18 in Amos 5, it says that the day of Yahweh, which is the judgment upon rebellious Israel, remember back to verses 1 through 2, is a day of darkness and not light. In other words, there is a ceasing of shining. We might say, we might say that the sun, moon, and stars lose their light. And what I mean by that is that the Israelites lose their rule. They lose their light. Let's read two more verses. Verse 19, It will be like a man who flees from a lion only to have a bear confront him. He goes home and rests his hand against the wall only to have a snake bite him. Won't the day of Yahweh be darkness rather than light, even gloom without any brightness in it? And there it is again, darkness and not light. Gloom, no brightness. Now the reason that this day is darkness is that because the rule and the dominion and the government of Israel is snuffed out by the wrath of Yahweh because of their sins. So therefore they stop shining as bright lights and Yahweh puts them out. This is judgment language. Let's look at another one in the book of Amos. Turn to Amos chapter 8. Amos chapter 8, and we'll begin reading at verse 1. The sovereign Yahweh showed me this. Amos is writing or speaking here. A basket of summer fruit. He asked me, what do you see, Amos? I replied, a basket of summer fruit. Yahweh said to me, the end has come for my people Israel. I will no longer spare them. Notice the judgment language. The end is come on my people Israel. This is judgment language. Verse 3. In that day, the temple songs will become wailing. The sovereign Yahweh's declaration. Many dead bodies thrown everywhere. Silence. Hear this, you who trample on the needy and do away with the poor of the land, asking, when will the new moon be over so we may sell grain? and the Sabbath, so we may market wheat. We can reduce the measure while increasing the price, and cheat with dishonest scales. We can buy the poor with silver and the needy for a pair of sandals, and even sell the wheat husks. Yahweh has sworn by the pride of Jacob, I will never forget all their deeds. Because of this, won't the land quake, and all who dwell in it mourn? All of it will rise like the Nile, it will surge and then subside like the Nile in Egypt. And in that day... 
This is the declaration of the Sovereign Yahweh. I will make the sun go down at noon. I will darken the land in the daytime. Verse 10, I will turn your feasts into mourning and all your songs into lamentation. I will cause everyone to wear sackcloth and every head to be shaved. I will make that grief like mourning for an only son and its outcome like a bitter day. Now, all of this again is judgment language. And one of the things that Yahweh says he will do is cause the sun to go down at noon and darken the earth in the daytime. Now, I want to ask you this. Is Yahweh speaking here in this passage of literally causing the sun to go down or stop ruling at noon? Or could he be speaking of Jacob Israel as the sun? Remember Joseph's dream where Jacob Israel was represented as the sun, the S-U-N sun, Genesis 37. Is Yahweh saying here in Amos that Israel is like the ruling sun at noon in her glory... But when Yahweh judges the nation of Israel, He will cause her to go down like the sun at noon. Israel will be judged and brought low at their highest peak. I believe that the latter is the case. I believe Amos 8 verse 9 is symbolic language depicting the judgment of the nation of Israel. And their judgment is like Yahweh causing the sun to stop ruling at its highest point at midday. Let's look at another one. This one actually is in the book of Joel. Joel chapter 2, beginning at verse 1 through verse 11. Once again, we're going to see judgment language upon the nation of Israel. Blow the horn in Zion. Sound the alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the residents of the land tremble, for the day of Yahweh is coming. In fact, it is near. A day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and dense overcast. Like the dawn spreading over the mountains, a great and strong people appear, such as never existed in ages past and never will again in all the generations to come. A fire destroys in front of them, and behind them a flame devours. The land in front of them is like the Garden of Eden, but behind them it is like a desert wasteland. There is no escape from them. Their appearance is like that of horses, and they gallop like war horses. Now a quick note here. Yahweh is speaking here in Joel 2, of judging the rebellious nation of Israel with some type of an army that comes against them. And that's why it says everything behind them that they've already traveled across is like the desert. Why? Because they come to destroy. They come with destruction. Verse 5, Joel chapter 2. They bound on the tops of the mountains. Their sound is like the sound of chariots, like the sound of fiery flames consuming stubble, like a mighty army deployed for war. Nations writhe in horror before them. All faces turn pale. They attack as warriors attack. They scale walls as men of war do. Each goes down his own path, and they do not change their course. They do not push each other. Each man proceeds on his own path. They dodge the missiles, never stopping. They storm the city. They run on the wall. They climb into the houses. They enter through the windows like thieves. This is talking about this army coming in judgment on the Israelites. Verse 10. Look at verse 10. The earth quakes before them, the sky shakes, the sun and the moon grow dark, and the stars cease their shining. Yahweh raises His voice in the presence of His army. His camp is very large. Those who carry out His command are powerful. Indeed, the day of Yahweh is terrible and dreadful. Who can endure it? Now, notice 
all the judgment language in these verses in Joel 2, 1 through 11. Here we have another day of Yahweh reference, meaning a day of calamity, a day of judgment. And one of the ways that judgment is depicted here is that the sun and the moon shall be dark and the stars shall withdraw their shining in verse 10. In other words, when the children of Israel are performing righteousness in the land, they rule like the sun, moon, and stars, shining brightly. But when they're judged for their unrepentant sin and rebellion, their lights go out. Or we might say the sun, moon, and stars stop shining because they're judged. I don't believe Joel 2 and 10 is speaking literally. It is figurative, symbolic language depicting the judgment of rebellious Israel. Now, it is interesting that this sun, moon, and stars language, the lights going out in judgment, is used, continues to be used in the Old Testament of Yahweh's judgment upon the other nations as well. Nations of the earth which are glorious at one time and mighty in their government, ruling like the sun, moon, and stars, but later Yahweh snuffs them out and brings down judgment upon their wickedness. Let me show you this. The book of Isaiah. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 13. Isaiah 13 beginning at verse 1. Isaiah 13 beginning at verse 1. It says, An oracle against Babylon that Isaiah son of Amos saw. Lift up a banner on a barren mountain. Call out to them. Wave your hand and they will go through the gates of the nobles. I have commanded my chosen ones. I have also called my warriors who exult in my triumph to execute my wrath. Listen a tumult on the mountains like that of a mighty people. Listen an uproar among the kingdoms like nations being gathered together. Yahweh of hosts is mobilizing an army for war. They are coming from a far land, from the distant horizon, Yahweh and the weapons of His wrath to destroy the whole country. Well, for the day of Yahweh is near. Notice here we have another day of Yahweh. Judgment Day. It will come like destruction from the Almighty. Therefore, everyone's hands will become weak and every man's heart will melt. They will be horrified. Pain and agony will seize them. They will be in anguish like a woman in labor. They will look at each other, their faces flushed with fear. Verse 9. Look, the day of Yahweh is coming. Cruel, with rage and burning anger, to make the earth a desolation and to destroy the sinners on it. Verse 10. Indeed, the stars of the sky and its constellations will not give their light. The sun will be dark when it rises, and the moon will not shine. I will bring disaster on the world and their own iniquity on the wicked. I will put an end to the pride of the arrogant and humiliate the insolence of tyrants. Here in Isaiah 13, Yahweh is bringing the high-ruling kingdom of the Babylonians down low, and it's called the day of Yahweh. And it's because Yahweh is coming in judgment. And Babylon's destruction is depicted here as the sun, moon, and stars going dark. Now, did the sun, moon, and stars literally go dark back then at the destruction of Babylon? Maybe, maybe not. That's not the point of the passage. The point is, is that Babylon's rule, dominion, and government stopped. That definitely ceased. Thus, the figurative language is used. 
time and time again we see judgment language in the Old Testament where when a nation is brought down low, it is though that the sun, moon, and stars stop ruling in the sky, meaning that their dominion is snuffed out. Let's look at another one in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 34, verses 1 through 4. Isaiah 34, 1 through 4. The title of here is Judgment of the Nations. Verse 1. Isaiah 34, verse 1. You nations, come here and listen. You peoples, pay attention. Let the earth hear and all that fills it, the world and all that comes from it. Yahweh is angry with all the nations, furious with all their armies. He will set them apart for destruction, giving them over to slaughter. Notice the judgment language again. Their slain will be thrown out, and the stench of their corpses will rise. The mountains flow with their blood. Verse 4 is the key. All the heavenly bodies will dissolve. The skies will roll up like a scroll, and their stars will all wither as leaves wither on the vine, and foliage on the fig tree. Now here again, we see this over and over in the Old Testament. Yahweh judges the nations in His anger, and it's depicted as the host of heaven being dissolved. In other words, their lights go out their rule and their dominion stops or ceases. It's as though Yahweh rolls up the heavens like a scroll and all their hosts fall to the ground. Nations, rulers, dominions, governments fall to judgment whereas once they were like shining stars, they are now brought low to the ground and their lights have gone out. We see the same thing said about the Pharaoh of Egypt in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel chapter 32. Let's turn there. Ezekiel chapter 32, beginning at verse 1. Ezekiel 32, verse 1. It says, In the twelfth year, in the twelfth month, on the first day of the month, the word of Yahweh came to me, Son of man, lament, which means wail or mourn, for Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and say to him, You compare yourself to a lion of the nations, but you are like a monster in the seas. You thrash about in your rivers. You churn up the waters with your feet and you muddy the rivers. This is what the Sovereign Yahweh says. I will spread my net over you with an assembly of many peoples and they will haul you up in my net. I will abandon you on the land and hurl you on the open field and I will cause all the birds of the sky to settle on you and let the beasts of the entire earth eat their fill of you. I will put your flesh on the mountains and fill the valleys with your carcass I will drench the land with your flow of blood, even to the mountains. The ravines will be filled with your gore. Obviously, this is judgment language coming upon the Pharaoh of Egypt. Look at verse 7. Yahweh says, When I snuff you out, I will cover the heavens and darken their stars. I will cover the sun with a cloud, and the moon will not give its light. I will darken all the shining lights in the heavens over you, and will bring darkness on your land. This, the declaration of the sovereign Yahweh. Now here, Egypt is under the judgment of Yahweh, specifically the Pharaoh of Egypt. And Yahweh depicts Pharaoh here as a great sea creature that Yahweh catches, kills, and then feeds to the animals of the earth. But notice that when Yahweh judges him, this judgment is depicted as a covering over of the heavens. The stars go dark, the sun is covered with a cloud, and the moon stops shining, and darkness is upon Egypt's land. And that's because when Pharaoh ruled high, 
it was like he ruled like the sun, the moon, and the stars. He governed. But when Pharaoh was judged, his lights went out. When we allow the Bible to interpret itself, what we see is that this sun, moon, and star language, this language where the light stops shining in the heavens over and over and over in the Old Testament, is a figurative language. When Yahweh comes in judgment against the nation of Israel, or against the high-ranking nation of Babylon, or against the high-ranking Pharaoh of Egypt, these people are snuffed out. They once ruled brightly, like the stars in the sky, or the sun at noon, or the moon over the night. But now, they are in darkness. Their sun has stopped shining, as well as their moon and stars, and that's because destruction has come upon their rule. They no longer rule, now they're brought low. Now let me show you the opposite language as well. It would stand to reason that if what I've said is true about Yahweh judging, will say the nation of Israel and the sun, moon, and stars go dark when they're judged because they're snuffed out, then it would stand to reason that the opposite would be true as well. And that is when Yahweh exalts the nation of Israel in battle, when they're acting righteously and Yahweh rewards them, they would be depicted then as the bright lights in the heavens, shining in righteousness and strength. And we find that exact language in Scripture. We already found it in the last lesson, but there's more than that. I want you to remember to the last lesson in Judges 5, 19 through 20. Those of you that were here, you can remember where it says in Judges 5 that the stars fought from heaven in their courses. They fought against Sisera. That's a reference to the tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali. They're the stars that are fighting against Sisera. Well, look at Judges chapter 5, verse 31. And turn there. Judges chapter 5, verse 31. At the end of Deborah's song, she says this, Yahweh, may all your enemies perish as Sisera did. Remember, Sisera was the commander of the forces of the army of Canaan. But may those who love him, may those who love Yahweh, be like the rising sun in its strength. And the land was peaceful for 40 years. Let your enemies perish, Yahweh, Deborah is saying. But she also goes on to say, but let those who love you be like the sun in its strength. Those who love Yahweh and are ruling righteously are depicted as the mighty ruling sun in the sky. Also look at the book of Isaiah chapter 30. Isaiah chapter 30, verse. we'll start at verse 18. Some Bibles have headings before certain paragraphs. and uh, Like in mine, it starts off the heading is Yahweh's mercy to Israel. And you'll see that this whole text Isaiah 30, 18-26 is all about Yahweh's restoration of the nation of Israel. And let's see how Yahweh describes that restoration. Verse 18. Therefore Yahweh is waiting to show you mercy and is rising up to show you compassion. For Yahweh is a just mighty one. Happy are all who wait patiently for Him. For you people will live on Zion in Jerusalem and will never cry again. He will show favor to you at the sound of your cry. When He hears, He will answer you. Yahweh will give you meager bread and water during oppression. But your teacher will not hide himself any longer. Your eyes will see your teacher. 
And whenever you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear this command behind you. This is the way. Walk in it. Then you will defile your silver-plated idols and your gold-plated images. You will throw them away like minstrel cloths and call them filth. Then He will send rain for your seed that you have sown in the ground, and the food, the produce of the ground, will be rich and plentiful. On that day, your cattle will graze in open pastures. The oxen and donkeys that work the ground will eat salted fodder, scattered with winnowing shovel and fork. Streams and water courses will be on every high mountain and every raised hill on the day of the great slaughter when the towers fall. 26. The moonlight will be as bright as the sunlight, and the sunlight will be seven times brighter like the light of seven days. On the day that Yahweh bandages His people's injuries and heals the wounds He inflicted. Now this passage is all about the restoration and the blessing of the nation of Israel. And the restored righteous Israel in their restoration and in Yahweh's mercy here is depicted as the moon now being as bright as the sun. Remember when He judged them in Joel 2, 1-11 through and also in Amos 5 and Amos 8, it was said that the sun stopped ruling. It was a day of darkness and no brightness. The moon stopped ruling and the stars stopped shining. But now when He's restoring them, it says that the moon will be as bright as the sun and the sun will be seven times brighter than usual. It's a depiction of them being brought back to a governmental status where they're ruling and reigning in the land. You can cross-reference this with Isaiah 60. I won't go to this one, but you can read this in your study time. Isaiah 60, verses 1 through 20, almost identical language. And then you can go to the New Testament in Matthew 13, 43, and also Philippians chapter 2, verse 15. All three of those texts, Isaiah 60, Matthew 13, and Philippians 2, all talk about Yahweh's restoration or mercy upon the nation of Israel, bringing them back to that ruling status. And therefore it can be said that the sun is ruling brightly and the moon and the stars are shining brightly in the night. When blessing occurs, it is symbolized in the Old Testament as the ruling of the sun, the moon, and the stars because these heavenly bodies depict governmental rule and dominion, Genesis 1, 14-18. When judgment occurs, it is symbolized as the falling of the sun, moon, and stars. They stop shining because the rule and the dominion have been brought down low. Now, I find all of this Old Testament language very, very eye-opening. And I believe that if people were familiar with the Old Testament language that we went over in the last sermon and in this sermon, that they would be less apt to misinterpret texts in Acts chapter 2 and also in Joel 2.31, which we'll get to in the next lesson, but in Acts chapter 2 and also in Matthew chapter 24, in Mark chapter 13, and in Luke chapter 21. Maybe when you go home tonight, you can read Matthew 24 or Mark 13. And what you're going to see is this exact same language that we've went over in the Old Testament is used in Matthew chapter 24. If you have this Old Testament understanding, then when Yeshua speaks similar language here in Matthew 24, you should automatically know what He's talking about. Most people believe that He's talking about 
a literal astronomical event. But in all likelihood, he's simply using the same judgment language that Yahweh used throughout the Old Testament. So this is very eye-opening to me. I hope that it will be to you when you go back and do the research yourself. But we're not through yet. In the next lesson that I teach, I'm going to go back to Joel 2, 28-32, and we're going to compare that with Acts chapter 2, verses 16 and following. And we're going to see if we can now understand what the prophet Joel was speaking of and when Joel's prophecy finds its fulfillment. Just to wet your whistle here, in Acts chapter 2, you can read it, but in Acts chapter 2, the Apostle Peter makes a statement that what is taking place at his time is what the prophet Joel spoke about. I'll explain that more when we get to it. I think that it'll be interesting and it's not going to be what most people commonly say that it is. So, Let's stand and have a word of prayer as we close. Praise Yahweh. Thank you, Father Yahweh. Yahweh, thank you for your word. Thank you for a good understanding. Help us to continue to seek, search, knock. The doors will be open. We will receive the things of your Spirit. Father Yahweh, I pray that... uh, I pray, Father, that we would be able to understand these passages of Scripture that I've went over. I ask that You'd move upon the people's minds and hearts to go back and to, to read them and reread them over again, and um, as well as myself, and that we would be able to rightly divide Your Word in, uh, in truth. It's through Your Son, Yeshua the Messiah, I pray.